You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast. Part of the Pack in the Podcast Network. Jake Javink here with you guys going solo today. I know it's been far too long. Uh, we, I know that uh, the draft kind of wrapped up a little while ago. A lot was going on uh, during draft weekend and even the, the week after the draft. So didn't really uh, get to this as quickly as I wanted to get to this, but... It, it was time. We still got to do it. I, I want to make sure this this episode goes out to you guys. Uh, we're going to put a bow on the 2023 NFL draft, and there's a lot to get to in this episode, so I hope you guys uh, stick around for all of that. We've got some draft classes we liked. We're going to get to some awards. Uh, we're going to talk some value selections. We're going to talk about you know fits and, and a wide receiver, kind of how the tight end class shook out. I want to get to obviously the Packers. We'll, we'll have a whole segment for that, and they're not going to be in any of the awards or anything because I want to make sure we get the deep dive there. And then we're going to peek ahead because we often do to 2024, and we'll maybe talk a little bit of how the summer is going to look. So let's start, uh, you know, to kind of put a bow on this draft. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania, uh, just talk about a, a big W for them. I, I don't think there's really too much you have to say. But we're gonna we're gonna kind of put the bow on these two teams, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, absolutely crushing the draft. I think when you look at Pittsburgh, I think it it got better and better as the picks went along. I think you could be iffy on the Broderick Jones selection in the first round, right? He has a, a little bit of ways to go in terms of some technique in pass protection. Still, the pass protection was pretty good overall, and obviously you see him have the the functional athleticism and and the finishing skills uh, as a run blocker I think it's just tweaking some things mechanically and and tweaking some technique stuff and and I think he'll be in good shape he might have that Evan Neal type rookie season where you look at him and you go ah the balance issues are there right Neal had a really bad rookie season I don't know if it'll be that bad we'll see if if Jones even starts maybe he kind of red shirts for Pittsburgh we'll see Uh, because they obviously have two guys in there at tackle that they like uh, but obviously Broderick Jones is there to be the guy for the long haul. But we'll see. Broderick Jones is maybe the one I was like, I like it. I'm I'm thrilled with what they did after that, though. Obviously, Joey Porter Jr., right, length, physicality, good instincts, good eyes in zone coverage. It's just about finishing for him. That's, that's literally all it is. Getting Porter Jr. at 32 is hilariously um, good by them, right? You get a guy with the bloodline to Pittsburgh, right? We love the Pittsburgh. They love the good story like this, and they've continued to do that, right? They get Pickett last year. Now they get Porter. Again, I don't I don't think there's much you have to say in terms of like, okay, they needed outside corner help, right? They did. A secondary isn't quite put together. Then they go get a long press man corner who, again, I think the eyes in off and, and zone coverage are getting a lot better. I think the footwork needs a little bit of work. 
but like overall like how can you not take a player like this of this caliber who you thought yeah probably going top 20 eh, maybe slips into the top 25 and, he, and he's available for you at 32 that's again just take advantage of the board and that's really what pittsburgh did right they get keanu benton at 49 one of my favorite picks at date two uh, just a, a guy who stayed versatile, right on the on, on the defensive line. Right, he, he he shaded a little bit. He played some nose right for Wisconsin, but he, I think he really is going to make his hay as a three tech rushing the passer. Really good club move, really great explosiveness, good tackle radius. Right, he does so much well. He doesn't have anything that's overwhelmingly elite about his game. Right, I think he the pass rushing is, is really boiled down to a couple moves, right? He's going to win with a, a lot of quicks and explosiveness off the ball. And he's going to go to that club move for sure. But he, he's got power. Everything is there for Benton. And I think Pittsburgh is going to get him into an advantageous situations along the defensive line. I think when it comes to their defense, I think they get guys into the right spots. And I think Benton is going to be able to do that. They traded back from 80 to 93 and still picked up Darnell Washington, who fell due to some medical concerns. Uh, and again, this is perfect for Pittsburgh because you get the guy who can be in line. This is a commit. This is still a commitment to the offensive line. When you look at Isaac Sayamalo, Broderick Jones, now you get a blocking tight end in Darnell Washington, who it is fabulous when he's working in line. You give Frymuth some opportunities to work the slot, to work a little bit flexed out. That's really good for him and for his development going forward. So you now have a really strong pair in your room who are, again, in Washington, who's going to help out the offensive line and help out the run game, help out Najee Harris, you know, Max protect if – you have another guy in there to help protect Kenny Pickett, and you know you you get some of these longer developing concepts. You get Pickett to be able to take shot plays, longer developing plays. You know that can take place because your offensive line's better, and Washington's maybe staying inside, but you have a guy who can release out if he needs to, right? Be a security blanket, be a red zone threat, and, and provide something after the catch because he's so tough to bring down. He's so elusive, right? And he's a better functional athlete than you think he is. So. They get a guy there, Nick Herbig off the edge and a third edge who has some explosiveness as well. Uh, you know, 23.9% pass rush win rate for him. That's really strong for Herbig, and that's really strong, especially for a third edge rusher. So you get Nick Herbig, then you wait till 241. You come up with Corey Trice, who I really liked uh, as another long press man corner who good quicks, good transitionally, better at finding the ball at the catch point, doesn't panic too much, has obviously length to, to kind of stick his nose into windows that you might not think he can reach. Unbelievably good. If they're going to get up in your face with Porter and Trice, that's a problem uh, for opposing offenses because there's so much physicality between the two of them. Porter's length is a problem, so they do that. And then they pick up just a, a guard in Spencer Anderson, who I think is probably easily their worst selection, uh, but it's offensive line depth that you're swinging at uh, in the seventh round. So you can't argue with what Pittsburgh did, and I want to quickly get to Philadelphia's W. I, I think it, it obviously stems a ton from the first night of the draft, getting Jalen Carter and getting Nolan Smith, building the Bulldogs uh, up in the Northeast, and you're getting Davis to play with Carter 
Davis didn't have the greatest rookie season, uh, didn't play a ton of snaps at times. There, he kind of is going to have the role of space eater, and that, that's what he's going to do. You're going to be able to now get Carter to attack, Milton Williams to attack. You have a eight or nine deep rotation. You get Nolan Smith, who is a clone to Hassan Reddick, really size-wise. Maybe he plays off the ball a little bit as well, but with Nolan Smith, I think it's really about how you see him. If you don't see him as that guy, I I was enthralled with his film, not necessarily the four three nine. That's not as big a deal to me. It's to get off an explosive and so that that translated. That was there. That that ten yard split is there. He doesn't really bend to win the outside arc. Can he? I think he could. But it's really about what he does in contact, you know, swipes, rips, everything to kind of either flatten his angle, get a better, you know, path to the quarterback, all of that stuff. And then obviously the leadership stuff is great, but you see him play pretty well off the ball, dropping into coverage. Eagles can get creative with their with kind of how they want to maybe blitz, how they want to attack with with you know larger numbered fronts. It's going to give them a lot of options. Didn't pick in the second round, but they come back with Tyler Steen in the third. Who, again, if you don't like Tyler Steen that much, that's fair. I think at tackle, you're maybe a little more concerned. But Tyler Steen's going to play guard. I, it, it feels like that's going to happen. So I'm I'm very much on board for that. Obviously losing Sayamalo. So again, it's it's three three picks to the trenches immediately for Philly. Why Why do they keep winning? Why are they successful? Why did they bounce back from the Carson Wentz kind of disaster near the end of his run in Philly. It's because the trenches were there, and they, of course they found the right quarterback, but they they draft trench after trench after trench player. It works out for them. Then they went to the secondary. They get Sidney Brown, who's a little bit, I would say, he's he's got playmaker in him for sure. I think he's going to operate really well in, in a lot of the quarters and a lot of the umbrella defense that you're going to get from from Philly. He can play a little bit of slot. I think the tackling is the serious issue with him, and, and that was it's always been. Uh, it's, he's looking like he is just trying to like spear guys almost. He's leading with his head a lot. He's dipping, and he's trying to just take him out. One fell swoop, not wrapping up one bit. So that's the concern, I think, with with Sidney Brown. And then you get to Keely Ringo, who at this point, absolutely big, strong, fast, figure the technique out. Don't open the gate too early. That's something he often does. But I think he, you know, if you if you really like Quentin Johnston, Ringo got the best of him uh, in the title game. So Ringo in the in, on day three is perfectly fine. Tanner McKee, whatever, uh, backup quarterback, that's fine. Uh, very different player than Jalen Hurts is. Very different player than Jalen Hurts is. Uh, there's no scramble. There's no scramble DNA in him at all. And then they get Moro Ojimo late, 249th. Another pretty solid pass rusher. I mean, thinking Ojimo probably should have gone top 125, 130, and he goes 249 to Philly. Of course, that just makes sense. Howie Roseman does what he does. So the Eagles should be NFC favorites. Honestly, they should win the NFC. If they don't win the NFC, it's it's a failure this year, in my opinion. I think that's how good they've drafted, how good they've kept a core together, right? They get Carter with Hargrave out the door. Sayamalo out the door. They get Tyler Steen, and they didn't really reach for anybody. And that's that's the biggest thing. Okay. So we get the state of Pennsylvania getting the W. I'm going to go through five draft classes quick that I liked. Uh, we're going to go through four that I'm iffy on. 
and then we'll get to everything else. So five draft classes I liked. I think Indy won the draft personally, but I want to talk about the other two first. The Colts, I don't know what there else is to say. Again, I think with the Colts, you either like Richardson or you don't, and I think that's going to kind of set the tone for how you view this class. Richardson is the upside swing that the Colts needed to take at the position, right? No Stroud, no Young on the board. Levis, it, whether you like Levis or not, I think now him falling to the second round should maybe prick up ears a little bit into what the concerns might be. Richardson's going to give you the rushing floor in a Steichen offense that has shown what the Jalen Hurts rushing floor is, and he's duoed up with Jonathan Taylor, who is a lot better than what the Eagles had in the room, right? Whether you believe you know the Colts should pay Taylor in the future or not doesn't matter. This season, 2023, you have the high floor. You can lean on Taylor a lot. And with with Pierce and, and Pittman, I'm going to go here first just because I think this is this potentially steal of all steals. It wouldn't shock me necessarily if this guy's maybe plays above even where the consensus ranked him, which is crazy to think about because, you know, he goes, what, 50, 56 picks after the, the fourth receiver comes off the board in Jordan Addison. Yeah, Josh Downs going 79th to the Colts. And I know he's smaller, right? I get it. I get that he's 171 pounds. This is exactly what the Colts need to do, right? Ballard takes the bigs all the time, break out the thresholds, throw them out for this guy because this is exactly what the Colts need in the receiver room, right? Pittman is this kind of short intermediate winner, big body type. Pierce can get you, you know, he wins vertically. You know, he's going to catch two, three balls for 60, 70 yards. That's great. Downs is the twitchy separator who's going to win in the slot, who's going to win after the catch, but has the speed to win downfield. The Colts, what do the what are they going to do? I don't know if Steichen's going to follow the exact blueprint in Philly, but I kind of hope he does because if he if he does, what's going to happen is they're going to get a lot of screen game, which again Richardson needs to work on that part of his game. He needs to hit the layups, but I'm sure camp is going to be a lot of that, which is good. Hit the layups because Downs is electric after the catch. So you're going to give him opportunities in the screen game. And then you're going to get Downs and you're going to get Pierce down the field for deep shots. We're going to have to work the deep portion of the field. Take advantage of Richardson's deep ball. We know Downs can play a little bit outside of his frame. He did that. He played a little bit above the rim. Played and contested. That's good. Pierce we know can elevate and win down the field. And and those are two things that, that are staples. And then obviously creating Richardson to be a force multiplier in the run game. So Richardson and Downs is a huge pairing for the Colts. After that, though, three swings at corner when they needed swings at corner. Julius Brent's big, long, strong, pressed corner. I I really like Brent's a lot. I think the fit is really good there, and the value is pretty solid at pick 44 in a deeper corner class. Then you come back on day three, you get Darius Rush. Same thing, a little bit tight-hipped, plays a little bit upright. But overall, another big physical corner, wide receiver converted. So it might take him a little more time. It has taken him a little more time. But you get something there that that I think is, is really impressive. Jalen Jones, really young player. Really young player. Another pretty big player. Uh, what's really nice is he's coming from cover three to cover three. It's going to mesh perfectly for his skill set. Maybe he's the, the the day three steal that we're talking about next year. It's very possible, right? So you, you you swing thrice at corner, really like that. And not only that, you get a guy in the secondary in Daniel Scott who can play a little bit of, of, of everything, 
play a little bit around the box, play him a little bit deeper, right? Stick him in the in the maybe in cover three he can play that deep third. It's possible. We'll see. But it's again another special teamer as well that you're adding to the room, which is totally fine by me. Then we look to what the trenches were like, and it started on day three for them. They get Blake Freeland, who to me still has a lot to iron out. Maybe not as much as Bernard Ryman has to iron out, but a lot to be sure. Athlete, big, still pretty young. Uh, came back for, for for a senior season. The hype was there. I was part of it. Didn't really happen. That's okay. The athleticism is really high with him. Footwork's really good. Again, he is just tall. So it's going to have to be working on leverage points with him and making sure that that is all squared away in pass pro. He's got the quicks and athleticism to handle the run game. Adetamiwa Adebaware. Don't know why he fell this far. I'm still not sure. I don't think anything's come out. Other than, again, I think the film wasn't great. Personally, at least from what I saw, I think the Mobile film was much better. I think you see him play low, play violent, stay driving through. When he had leverage plus explosion, it was it was wraps. It was over. Just didn't do that quite as much on the edge uh, when he played a lot of four tech, five tech over the tackle outside the tackle at Northwestern. It was just wasn't there. So maybe the Colts see the position change and they're going to play him a little bit more inside. I think that's going to be better for him. And then you look elsewhere: Will Mallory, upside dart throw at tight at tight end. Which again, do they? The Colts need tight ends, not necessarily. You know, you hope that Jelani Woods is breaking out soon, but. Again, a good straight line player who maybe can get a little vertical up up the up the seam, up the middle of the field where Richardson likes to, to throw the football. Evan Hull, some depth at running back, good pass catcher. Dude's going to work his butt off. Like that a lot. They get Titus Leo, the edge from Wagner, who I really didn't really didn't get to look at at all. Uh, so, you know, just a three-sack player. A bit of a small school swing. The Colts like to do that on day three. Same Jake Witt. Uh, tackle from, I believe, uh, I think it's Northern Michigan. Maybe it's not. I, I could be very wrong on that. But, again, another swing, smaller school. See what you have with some athletic upside. I think Ballard crushed it. We move over to one of my other, I think, probably top three. I I really liked what they did here. Uh, and, it, obviously, they had – some chaotic selections, but that's just how Seattle rolls. But they started the night incredibly. They went for Devin Witherspoon, not Jalen Carter, not Tyree Wilson. Devin Witherspoon plays with his hair on fire. Physical, great transitionally, can play off. In, even in man coverage, his zone coverage is going to be good. He can turn and run. He he's plays the catch point well. He doesn't have to turn and find the ball, but he can. He can play receiver, but he's going to limit yards after the catch. And he might get a lot of balls thrown his way after Tariq Woolen's season. That pairing is not someone I would want to face. Jackson Smith and Jigba. This is almost perfect. Perfect, perfect for what Seattle needed. Okay? Because Lockett wins a lot down the field. Metcalf wins a lot down the field. Geno liked to take a lot of deep shots. And because of that, because those two were clearly the best two players, he would take shots on plays where he didn't need to. And I think part of that comes from, okay, no established number three. Right, and, and the tight ends just weren't very, very good. They they just can't figure it. Noah Fant hasn't figured it out, and Will Disley gets hurt. Colby Parkinson is meh. Like, it's it's not a great room. JSN gives you the ability 
Sit in zone. Separate against man coverage over the middle of the field. He is the slot dynamo. He is he is going to be one of the best slot receivers in the league immediately because he's that good in the slot. I think he can play Z as well. Long-term, JSN and DK might be the pairing, but what it gives you is Geno Smith a reliable option over the middle of the field to get him some chain moving there. He's going to offer you stuff after the catch. He's going to do that on his own, but he's going to be that. He's going to be Mr. Reliable over the middle of the field for Geno Smith. That's, that's the most important thing for that offense. They come back, they get Derek Hall, I think plays, again, length, really good. When he hits that leverage point with the long arm, he's great. He's twitchy. You know, he's got some explosiveness, got some change of direction to him. He can expand the toolbox. I think that's definitely worth the bet. 37 felt maybe a little rich, but I, I don't hate the selection one bit. Zach Charbonnet, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Charbonnet and Walker is going to be run the dang ball uh, with a couple of bell cows who have the size to do so. Charbonnet can catch passes as well. That'll be really interesting. Uh, Anthony Bradford, guard LSU, I think he is going to be somebody who nobody really talks about, and he just kind of slides in at guard and plays well for a while. They add some uh, depth along the defensive line. Cameron Young, I think he is impressive length, right? He's going to be able to hold his hold his ground against the run game, let Draymond Jones do a lot of attacking in there. Mike Morris is another big edge, big, big edge, almost, I think, almost 290. But it'll be interesting. He actually actually put up really impressive numbers. 37 pressures for a big edge like Morris is isn't common. And, you know, we didn't talk about him a lot, but, you know, I th- maybe a guy who can fit in the rotation somewhere. They get uh, their center, Olu Oluotimi. Pretty solid selection here this late at 154, who again was on was on the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award winner two years in a row. Was a Remington guy. Like this is high IQ. This is quicks. This is understanding how cerebral the position is and who we need to be leading the charge there at center. I would have liked them to take Schmitz at at 52 over Charbonnet. Like that feels like the one real miss that they had. Uh, they took Jarek Reed the second from New Mexico at safety, right, to build some depth in the secondary. And then they took Kenny McIntosh, who's going to be the pass catching back for them. That's that's how it goes for the, the the running back room is loaded. So they stayed chaotic, true to their nature, but they filled a lot of what they needed to fill. Okay. Moving to maybe a draft that not many people are probably mentioning too much in terms of really liked it. Because I don't think it's the first pick for me, but. I understand the first pick, Miles Murphy. So Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they go Miles Murphy. I think that's value at, at 28. Uh, obviously still a younger player, but I, I think I, I just haven't quite seen it. There's explosiveness, right, the long arm. So he isn't going to be that speed rusher. He's going to be the power rusher. That's fine. Like they have kind of that, uh, you know, with Hendrickson and Hubbard, it's Hendrickson's more of the artiste a little bit, and Hubbard's kind of the, the nitty-gritty you know, play tough type of player. Murphy can slide in there. They've got Osai who can move around and rush the passer. They can get disrupted with him. So that works. Murphy, long-term bet. Uh, stay, you know, stay true to the board. Stay true to value there like that. DJ Turner at 60. We thought he was going to go higher, right? The 426. I'm not even, for me, it's not even the 426, but the recovery speed's obviously there. But it's more about his technique and press, his technique and man coverage, where he doesn't get too wide when he presses. Some guys get too wide, and if they whiff, there's just no way they're recovering. 
DJ Turner's read step and press coverage is really good. He, he stays within shoulder length. It's not getting too far out wide. So he's not ever in a position where, okay, if I miss the swipe, I'm not right on his hip. I'm not right there to break up a pass if it's a slant route immediately. And he can obviously recover with speed. So I thought he he can also find the ball a little bit too. And and so I thought the film was pretty good. They get him at 60. Cheeto Cheeto Wuzier contract expires after the season. I still think they needed help in that room and, and they got it. Jordan Battle at 95 does another one that just doesn't feel like, oh, wow, it's super flashy, but can play into the box, can play on the roof. He's going to give Anarumo some options at safety, right? They didn't. They lose both Bates and Bell. You have Dax Hill. So the secondary right now is a little bit young. Hill, Battle, Cam Taylor-Britt, Awuzier hopefully coming back, and you get DJ Turner in there. I, I still like what they're doing there. They brought Pratt back at linebacker, so I like that. Then they went some skill positions, which I think it was smart. Charlie Jones and Andre Yosivash. So Yosivash could be, you know, this kind of like insert him, deep threat, run some drags, you know, use that speed after the catch. Charlie Jones has some speed as well. Maybe he gets some returner looks, but this is Charlie Jones is the chain moving, tough son of a gun over the middle of the field, right? Not a supremely dynamic route runner, but does the job well to be the Tyler Boyd of the future. So they stayed future there. They needed a running back. They get Chase Brown, who's a one-cut-and-go. You know, got some explosiveness to him, can catch some passes. He's a good RB2. We'll see on Mixon, but but Chase Brown might get a little more little more uh, time toting the rock than we think. Uh, they go punter with Brad Robbins, DJ Ivy, corner from Miami. It's fine. But I think they really br- butter their bread uh, with those first six selections, and they did it on offense and defense. They didn't get a tackle. Maybe they think Lyle Collins is going to be out there. Maybe they think Jonah Williams is sticking around to play right tackle. Maybe, again, Orlando Brown, he wants to play left tackle. Maybe he feels like he can kick over to right. I'd rather him protecting Burrow than, than Jonah Williams at this point, but we'll see how that line shakes out. That's maybe the only qualm, but they still have a lot of a lot of players in that room, and they've still built that room really well. Okay, fourth team that I really wanted to talk about because I really liked what they did, uh, the New York Giants really like what we're doing here we're, we're getting great value with Deontay Banks at, at 24 we moved up one spot to do it yeah Wink Martindale was thrilled with this selection as he should be another press corner right in that prototypical look but I think this is where I, I some people were kind of iffy I, I was hit with some comments on on NFL mocks about this it's like well no Banks is a you know how can you say he's prototypical press corner when he plays a lot of zone coverage and he does really well in zone and a lot of people were mocking him to Washington who plays a lot of zone. He can do both. He's coverage versatile. That's It's really as simple as that. He has the size and the speed and the physicality to be a prototypical press man corner. It's that simple. Okay, and that doesn't mean he can't play off and play really well in zone coverage, but from what we saw, he has that ability, and that's what the Giants are getting at corner, and they needed that desperately. Somehow, John Michael Schmitz falls to him at 57. I'm not sure how that got done. Like I said, Seattle should have been taking him. Don't know what that was about, whatever. Schmitz is exactly what they needed at center. Tough son of a gun. Really good zone blocker. Right, can hold his own and pass pro. He's going to get help from the guards, but like, again, strong. And then they took Hyatt in a really strong spot. They took him in a spot where it didn't feel like anybody was reaching. There was none of that, right? A Blitnikoff winner in the third round is perfectly fine. SEC production. Win down the field, let Daniel Jones uncork a few because you already have a lot of slots. And I, and I get Hyatt is kind of a slot as well, but he's going to win down the field. Not a lot of guys you have in the room can do that at the moment. So we'll see. I think Hyatt maybe has a little bit more productive a season because he entered, you know, he's going to enter with lower expectations. 
And I think he's eager to prove that he can be a route runner. So I'm very intrigued by that. Round five, they get Eric Gray. Love that. Insanely quick cuts. Insanely explosive cuts. Insane how much yardage he can displace when he cuts. Just a smooth but a crisp runner. Tough runner. Right, going to make you miss in space. Going to catch the ball well. Really strong, strong RB2. To Saquon Barkley. You get some safety depth. Jarvarius Owens. I like that. Jordan Riley adds to an already really deep defensive line room. And Trey Hawkins coming over corner from Old Dominion. So, again, again, the the bread is going to be buttered those first three picks. Because I think those first three picks can hit. And I think you've got a strong RB2 in Eric Gray. And I think that was why I really liked, really liked uh, what they did in this draft. And I think that is... And I want to go to one more team. And unfortunately, it's a team that... This podcast network hates, and rightfully so. We got to talk about Chicago, unfortunately. And I think, I don't think they overwhelmed, but I liked it, right? This is some, this is, when I say I liked these five, I think it's more, you can look at either I liked the process or I liked these, you know, five, six picks or I liked the value. It, it's, it, it ranges, right? With Indy, they just crushed it. Every pick was, I really liked every selection. They, they, they swung it. They got, depth and, and potential starters everywhere. Seattle got two studs in the first and they got, you know, some value on day three. Cincinnati just did well drafting defense to stop Mahomes and the Giants got three, I think, really strong picks. Chicago, I think, was just doing right by taking swings where they needed to take swings. And if, as long as Darno Wright hits and he's a solid right tackle, nobody will ever question that pick. I think he's really good in pass pro. I think he has to work on the run game. It's going to be interesting to see if Darnell Wright is in the same mold of what Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas were last year, right? We were talking about those two as phenomenal pass protectors coming from air raid systems who had, you know, a ton of a ton of time to hone the craft as pass protectors and see and and, and Darnell Wright's in the same mold, right? Tennessee was a lot of, you know, Mickey Mouse offense, you know, a lot of vertical shot plays where you needed to pass protect long enough for Hooker to make a decision. Excellent. You did that. He faced top competition, and he did really well. The run game is going to be the challenge for him. Can we work on the quicks? Can we work on the technique? Is he not just going to be a bowling ball who tries to collide with people at the point of attack or when he pulls? That's going to be the thing for him. We'll see if that's if 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 he can mold himself into a multifaceted tackle or if he's just going to be like, all right, Justin, don't scramble. Stay within the pocket. Do your thing. I've got you on the right side. We'll see if that's the case. Now, they took three big swings, I think, in second and third round. Five-star players who have athletic upside, totally worth it because I think Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens are both three-techs. Matt Eberflew wants strong three-tech play. Pickens is a good pass rusher from the interior. Dexter has immense power on the interior. The thing with Dexter is the get-off isn't great. He plays pretty high. But he's still, at, when he plays high, he can run people over. He's a disruptor by nature. So is Zach Pickens. Two guys who, again, are both going to land. Probably not. But if you get one to land, you have your three tech uh, for a long time. Tyreek Stevenson is a great dart throw because, again, it's this is athletic upside at the position. But he's got size and he produced a ton as well. And I think... They didn't, they didn't reach, right? Nobody reached on Tyreek Stevenson. This is a fine spot to take him. I struggle to understand why they didn't take Turner instead of him, but we'll see how that turns out. Again, a good swing. 
the the real reason I liked the Bears draft is because of I think three picks on day three that I liked a lot. Uh, it starts with Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott. So this this really hurt because these were two guys that I think were some of the best players left on the board, and Chicago did the right thing. Like they didn't pay David Montgomery, so the process was good there. They still have Khalil Herbert, who generates a pretty pretty good amount of explosive runs. His explosive run rate is really good. Then they add Roshan Johnson, dominant pass protector, good pass catcher, powerful bowling ball in the run game who can generate some speed on his own right and create some explosive plays as well. Forced a ton of missed tackles. That's a big-time player in that room where they're going to run the ball a lot. A Herbert, Roshan Johnson, two-headed monster, unfortunately, is something that is really uh, really appealing and should be appealing. I'm sorry, Packers fans. I, I hate that I like that so much. And then Tyler Scott is kind of Darnell Mooney all over again and I think he's a little bit more polished Mooney has better hand technique very much so in terms of catch instincts and really just catch technique as well so that's the struggle but Tyler Scott is a walking explosive play he is going to kind of be the extremely diet version of what Olave was for fields back at Ohio State so those two picks really like that and then they get Terrell Smith from Minnesota, who, again, was the really like, oh, I figured it out finally in 2022 after the after three previous seasons where he just didn't. And Terrell Smith, if the Stevenson pick doesn't work out, maybe Terrell Smith does, and you have your long-term corner opposite. Hopefully what you think Kyler Gordon is, it didn't go well year one. Maybe Kyler Gordon isn't the guy. Maybe Jalen Johnson is. If neither are, you swung twice at corner, you got a safety in Kendall Williamson, who I'm not really too familiar with from Stanford. Then you added even more depth, Travis Bell from Kennesaw State, another guy who might uh, be able to rush the pass from the three-tech. So they understood the assignment a little bit and what the defense needed still, and they got that. I still think they need edge help, a ton of edge help. They don't have it currently, but I think they got their tackle that they wanted. That's fine. The process is good there. I think they did the right a, a lot of right things. Will it work out? Maybe not, but I thought the process was pretty strong, unfortunately. So I want to talk quick before we go to break. Four classes I'm a little iffy on and, and why. Uh, we'll go to Vegas first. The only thing with Vegas is they kind of almost got an award, but I didn't put them on the award sheet. They got a You Totally Redeem Yourself award a little bit later in this draft, but like Tyree Wilson might be the Cleveland Furl pick all over again. They took him over Van Ness. They took him over Nolan Smith. They took him over Will McDonald. Uh, they took him over Miles Murphy. We'll see how that works out. I thought he played. I thought the film was pretty solid. Uh, the pass rush is pretty good. I think he gets good leverage at contact, which was kind of surprising for a taller, longer player. Will he unseat Chandler Jones? That'll be interesting to watch in camp. Again, he is an older breakout player, and as much as like that is simple terms, and you know, isn't the end all be all. But like, why did it take him so long? That is the question. Can he handle it at the next level? I'm a little unsure. I, I wouldn't have picked him there uh, necessarily if I were Vegas. I thought it was fine. Michael Mayer's a solid pick, of course, for them. Byron Young, defensive tackle, Alabama. Some like him. Some think it's pretty average. I I don't love it there. Uh, they took Trey Tucker, wide receiver Cincinnati, over Tyler Scott. Not sure why that's the case. Unless they want, like, I don't know, a returner. But why are you doing that? They totally, I think, redeem themselves. We'll see how these work out. But on day three, Ja'Cory Bennett, size, speed at corner. They need help in the secondary. Chris Smith, 
Don't care about his size. Care about the instincts, the tackling ability, and the versatility. Uh, the processing skills are high with Chris Smith. They took him at 170. That's totally good. Nessa Jade Silvera's got some upside as well. I'm interested to see how maybe he fits in the defensive line for them. But overall, I think there were two things. One, I think they just reached in several spots. And then I don't buy their confidence in the offensive line. I just don't. I, I do not buy their confidence. And that might sink them really early in the season. We shall see. The only thing with Buffalo, and this is, again, I think they did. the So it, it was rightly pointed out. I, I didn't like the Kincaid pick, if you listened to that episode, right after the first round, only because of what was there at offensive and defensive line, two places where I think they just needed to get way better at. They got mauled a ton by, by Cincinnati. They get Osiris Torrance in the second. Now there might be some injury concerns there. I think he's a little bit slow moving laterally, uh, but if he can get hands on, he's a brick house. Give Josh uh, Allen, as the Ringer NFL Draft Show said, they gave him a weapon who is extremely dynamic, who's I think easily now the second best pass catcher, and they gave him time. That's good. The only issue I have, again, Dorian Williams, fine. Justin Shorter, not sure what that's about. Uh, I do think Nick Broker's nice. He's got tackle, guard flexibility. He's probably going to play guard, though, so you drafted two guards. Alex Austin at 252 is really good value. So it's good at corner. Like I, I like that. There was some idea of like, okay, you know, we'll get corner. We'll get linebacker and Williams who can develop to try to stop Mahomes. We'll get two guards who can help protect. The question is, is tackle solved and is the defensive line solved if Von Miller just never returns to the form? He's had a lot of injuries. He's in his 30s. Like this, that's just the case. That's how it is. They got Puna Ford. So I've kind of eaten my words a little bit. Puna Ford, Osiris Torrance, Nick Broker. Is it enough? Is it enough on the edge? Is it enough on the edge? Is Puna Ford enough at defensive tackle? Do they have enough at offensive tackle? I just am not sure the trenches are there. I could eat my words a ton on this, but I just am worried about Buffalo because I think if you look at the Chiefs and you look at the Bengals, both of them added a pass rusher. The Chiefs added a tackle they needed to, and the Bengals added secondary they needed to. They added some weapons long-term. That's cool. The Chiefs went pass rusher, pass protector, pass catcher. Awesome. Just the Bills, I just feel like the trenches aren't totally set, and I'm a little worried about it. Okay, two more. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yikes. I don't love this at all. I do like Mozzie Smith. That was perfect. They needed somebody to plug the run who has pass rush upside. Athleticism is there. So I really liked that. I didn't have a problem with it. A lot of people do. Again, if he's if he's really strong, solid player who, again, if he's not a pro player, like we're looking at this class and being like, everybody was like, oh, this class stinks. You know, so in between the 20s, the 70s, then why does it matter? You you needed this. You needed exactly this. And he's a strong athlete at the position, right? It's not Siaki Ika. Mozzie Smith played really well in 2022. He's built upon a lot of stuff with his game. I liked it. After that, I didn't like it. Luke Schoonmaker over Washington and Tucker Craft? I don't think so, buddy. Even over Brenton Strange, who I think might offer a little bit more than Schoonmaker. Just in the second round, was very shocked about that. DeMarvian Overshone's a really undersized linebacker. Not sure what we're thinking there. Viliami Fahoko is probably my second favorite pick in the fourth round. Asim Richards is okay. Eric Scott, they get Deuce Vaughn. That's cool. I just don't know. That draft all over the place i'm not bullish on on dallas this year jacksonville had a lot of swings and i didn't like a lot of them uh anton harrison's a good one right that's again 
protect Trevor Lawrence. If Cam Robinson is suspended for a while, you just have Walker Little and Anton Harrison manning the, manning the tackle spots. Hopefully Anton Harrison can come right in. He's got a lot of RPO reps, so he doesn't have sustained pass protection reps. There's not a lot on there, but I think he did a good job. I think he's, he's a solid pick there. Brenton Strange felt like a little bit of a reach. Like I said, Darnell and Kraft still on the board. They went Brenton Strange. Very interesting. Bigsby's a nice compliment to what ETN can do. That's fine. Ventro Miller, weird selection. Tyler Lacey, weird selection. I like Yasir Abdullah, who can rush the passer. That's cool. I'm just I don't I'm not an Antonio Johnson guy one bit. Unless they believe he can play the slot, that's fine. They didn't really draft a slot, so that may be their slot. Good enough. Parker Washington's solid. But I don't know. They're just there's not a lot here where I go, ah, they just knocked out of the park on day two. I feel like they did not. Uh, but again, I, I like Yasir Abdullah and I like Anton Harrison. After that, I was a little iffy. Uh, we'll take a break. We're going to get to some awards. We're going to get to some value selections. I want to talk receiver and tight end really quick. Get Packers draft thoughts and add to 2024. So there's a lot left, but we'll take a break right here. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, guys, back here with you guys on It's Always Draft Season. So we're going to hand out some awards now. Uh, the uh, We'll start with the Back of the Top 50 award uh, handed out to the Los Angeles Rams. We finally have a pick that's high enough where we kind of talk about them a little bit more than we have in previous seasons. And you know what? For the first time, legitimately, I think for the first time, Maybe since 2017, which was the first year I really started to do all the live shows and a lot more heavy coverage of the draft, I really liked it. I like what they did. Steve Avila, guard center flexibility. I really liked him. I liked him a little bit more than Torrance, believe it or not. Byron Young, explosive edge rusher. They needed something on the edge. They don't have anything next to Aaron Donald right now. Literally nothing, basically. Kobe Turner offers you some power, some explosiveness at defensive tackle. I like that. Stetson Bennett picks weird, uh, but if they like him, okay, fine, sure. Only because they got Nick Hampton, another edge rusher, a little bit undersized, but that's okay. Warren McClendon, really solid tackle. I would be swinging an offensive line from George on day three after seeing Jamari Sawyer uh, from last year, who a pick that I think Mason and I both really liked that late for the Chargers. Davis Allen's a decent combo tight end. Puka Nakua can get some Robert Woods touches. In a little bit of that jet motion, jet sweep, reverse, can win above the room. I good after the catch, good at the catch point. Like there's a role there for him. They get Travis Hodges Tomlinson, just a dog 
for the secondary. Really like that. Even if it's the slot for him, I think he'll 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 uh, he'll pan out pretty well. Even as a slot corner, O'Shawn Mathis, that's fine. Keep swinging at edge. I have no problem with that. Zach Evans is an explosive running back that you really don't have in your building right now with Akers and Kyron Williams. I didn't like Evans that much, but there's no doubt he has easy speed and easy curvilinear acceleration and, and curvilinear speed sustainment when he runs. I didn't like the vision. I don't the attitude's kind of weird, but like that late, 215, yeah, absolutely. Jason Taylor's got some good stuff at safety. So I I the Rams finally got in the top 50, and I think they did pretty solid, especially on day two. Avila Byron Young, Kobe Turner is something I really like. And Puka Nakua, Zach Evans are strong swings. So, yeah, and Travis Hodge Tomlinson is just a dog at the position. So I, I liked what the Rams did. Uh, awards for nobody cares you're re- nobody cares because you're rebuilding, but it was a really good draft. And that award is presented to the Arizona Cardinals, who, again, nobody cared about them really other after once they traded back and then uh, came back up for Paris Johnson. It was kind of like, all right, cool. Like we, The Arizona Cardinals did the thing, and now we don't care because, again, they – they didn't like pick a ton for a team that's rebuilding. Like the Rams picked a ton, Jaguars picked a lot. Uh, Arizona didn't pick a ton, but they moved back, came back up for Paris Johnson. They moved actually out of their pick uh, on um, day two for the Titans, who came up for Levis. So they moved back a decent bit. Paris Johnson's a fine swing. You needed something at tackle. The upside is clearly there. Former. Former, I think, five-star recruit, but like footwork, athleticism, right? Run blocking, pass blocking. He got a ton better as the season went on. Good swing by Arizona there. They pick up Houston's own first-round pick in 2024. There's a chance that they could have two top five selections in 2024. Could that mean Caleb Williams plus Marvin Harrison? It could mean that. That is a really quick turnaround and the tackle class is deep they have their second round pick they could do that i know i'm getting ahead of myself but arizona has a lot of options getting houston's first round pick in that move back for houston to come up and get will anderson bj ojalari really like that as a pass rusher they need somebody who can who can consistently threaten maybe get eight nine sacks as a rookie not out of the question per se array of moves bend Spin move like he's got a lot in the in the arsenal that most of the guys in their room do not have. Garrett Williams has just been hampered by injuries. Footwork's really good. Zone instincts are really good. Ball skills are really good. I'm thrilled that Arizona got Garrett Williams. They needed that. They traded obviously Murphy away. Michael Wilson's a really strong separator with good size at receiver. It's just availability for him. Can he do that? I think John Gaines is a really nice day three pick at guard. Uh, really good footwork, good athleticism. He he did the thing right where he, I think, posted the really strong time in the short shuttle, which has been a good indicator of offensive line success. They get a nice backup in Clayton Tune. Owen Papo plays really hard, even for a, a smaller player at the position. We'll see if he can stick at linebacker. They've got a lot in the room, though, in Arizona. They get Keetro Clark. Another feisty slot player who I like a lot. So, like, Clark and Garrett Williams could be really nice. And Dante Stills adds some more beef uh, to that defensive line. I think they did a strong job, and they pick up a one next year from Houston, which could be a high pick. Arizona did a good job. They did a good job. Nobody cares, though, right? But they did a good job. 
Uh, the You Passed Who the Sticks award uh, goes to the Detroit Lions, of course. The most chaotic draft there was for sure. Again, you don't have to love their draft. I don't love their draft. I think it's fine, but the chaotic like nature of it is very much like, who did you pass the sticks for in the first quarter of your Madden game? That's very much what it was. It was like, oh, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell. Okay, maybe Jameer Gibbs, if you move back from 18 to the 20s, sure. Jack Campbell in the second round. Yeah, we t- I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, or at least I did somewhere, about Campbell in the second round being a, a really strong fit and what exactly what they needed. I just don't like surplus. Surplus value is a thing. I know PFF talks about it, and I, I understand it. It's like, is your return the value, the, the return of that value on these first-round picks at running back and, and really a downhill-thumping linebacker who's going to be the mic for you good enough relative to getting, say, Christian Gonzalez and Miles Murphy? Yeah, I, I know what the answer is there, and I think everybody does as well. Just really strange. But they, they, I think they, again, redeemed themselves really well. They took the sticks back for day two and were like, hold on a minute. Okay, we need to make the right picks now. Let's grab Sam Laporta at tight end, who we like as a pass catcher. That's really nice. Laporta and Amara St. Brown attacking the middle field is going to be a problem. And they get Brian Branch. They move up five spots to green base pick and take him. Branch is a good player, man. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to play the roof or not, but if he if he doesn't, he's just going to play the slot. And you know he, he offers run support phenomenal tackler in the box yeah that's an elite pick i don't care uh it's just a good player hendon hooker and broderick martin were kind of like ah you passed the sticks again didn't you hendon hooker they moved back it was kind of wild to keep because when i was doing the broadcast uh live broadcast for day two i wasn't really totally paying attention to who was moving back in said trades it took me a while to be like oh arizona moved back for tennessee because i don't remember and i was like wait a minute so i know detroit they had four picks, but one of those was from Arizona. So I was like, wait, where did their pick from the 50s go? They moved back with Kansas City and then Denver twice. They moved back, I don't know, like 16, 17 selections. Uh, that might be uh, that might be too many. I'm trying to remember where Detroit selected initially, but they moved back double-digit spots with, with two different teams, right, for combined double-digit spots, and then took 10 and Hooker, which is interesting. A little bit older prospects. Will he ever be that guy? We'll see. But it was an interesting, interesting dart throw. Broderick Martin was weird because it was another like run stuffing defensive tackle. Somebody I think I thought the Packers might look at on day three. Uh they took him at they took him at ninety six. They they gave up three picks to go get him. Very strange. Then they got Colby Sorsdahl, tackle from William and Mary, and then they finished with Antoine Green, who I actually the drop consistency is not very good, but he's got big playability uh, as a receiver. They might need that early with Jamison Williams out. So very chaotic, very weird. I'm just, I'm, I think a lot of us are left wondering about Detroit. Like this was the watershed draft. They had all this capital. They took the quarterback in round three, which mm, I don't know about that. It was weird to have Broderick Martin be paired with McNeil, unless they're kind of going the Cincy route in terms of like, Cincinnati's defense has Reeder and Hill as the two like guys who can almost cover two and a half, three gaps for you, which is really great. It helps you stop the run. It, it keeps your boxes a little bit lighter. If they're doing that, great. They've got a lot of secondary guys, but just very weird from them. Um, I'm going to call this one best picture. It's really best fit, but the, the when you picture this guy on this team, oh, the, it comes out. 
with incredible quality. And that's that's Dev- Devon A. Chain to Miami, right? Like this is that pick. This is the pick where it's like, okay, wow, it's a track star playing running back, and he's really good at playing running back. I know he's 180-some pounds, but that's a Miami player, is it not? And, of course, Miami picked him at 84. So the perfect best picture, right? This is going to be an offense that's going to run the ball. They've got fast dudes, including Mostert, who can run the football. It's going to make your linebackers furious. They're going to sweat. They're going to be frustrated because, again, when they when they run play action, they're sucking the linebackers in. They're opening in breakers across the middle with Waddle and Hill, who can score once the ball's in their hands. But you also have, if you lay back a little bit and you're looking for those in-breakers, A-Chain and Moster can rip off 20, 25-grad runs no problem. It just creates a lot of conflict. My only issue, I'm going to just talk about this quick, with Miami's draft is they took Cam Smith, love that, gives you maybe some flexibility with Ramsey, throw him in the slot a little bit to the star spot, cool. Uh, they got A-Chain, sick. Offensive line still a problem there. They haven't addressed it. Uh, with Tua's health, and like this is a serious issue, Tua's health, like they didn't address offensive line until round seven with Ryan Hayes, who, who doesn't have the length to play tackle, I don't think. He struggled a lot. I'm concerned. The offensive line might not hold up once again in Miami. But they get best picture. They get the flashy selection with A-Chain, so that's good enough, I guess. Uh, it's it's going to be it's gonna make them an exciting offense, there's no doubt. It, it creates a lot of conflict, which is good. Uh, the eggs in one basket award to the Houston Texans moving up nine spots, obviously owner, uh, owner interference, I believe landed them CJ Stroud over Will Anderson at two. They come back up, get Will Anderson at three. It's a lot of eggs in the basket when you could have had two first round picks in 2024 on top of two first round picks in 2023. You could have given Stroud JSN at 12. Just saying you could have done that. It was a possibility. No one was going to take the receivers early. I get JSN maybe not worth the top 15 pick, and it, it it looks a lot better at 20 to Seattle, but giving Stroud JSN would have been a huge deal. They only got Tank Dell and Xavier Hutchinson. I kind of like Hutchinson. I'm not overly thrilled with Hutchinson. Tank Dell, luckily he's playing in a dome because if he's outside the elements, the wind might blow him over. Like this is... I don't know. I The Houston draft, they put a lot of eggs in the basket. They're hoping that Will Anderson's a double-digit sack guy every year. They're hoping C.J. Stroud is that dude. Juice Scruggs at center was a really strange selection when that happened. Again, Tank Dell, that Dylan Horton's fine, Toa Toa, Jarrett Patterson, Hutchinson, and Brandon Hill. I think Brand, Brandon Hill is value. That's a nice pick. I like that. Uh, Pit DBs, always take them on day three. They're going to return some value to you. I just don't know. Houston put a lot of eggs in this basket, and now they might have just they have just Cleveland's pick in the first round next year, which you never know, folks. That could be in the in the late teens, even in the twenties, perhaps. So I don't know. Houston put a lot of eggs in this one. We'll see how it works out. Uh, really quick, the of course they did that award. Seattle Seahawks Charbonnet and McIntosh drafting both running backs makes sense. Uh, the last award, quick, the This Time It'll Work award to the Tennessee Titans. I actually think this is. This is the Arrested Development, you know, whatever. It, it didn't work for those guys, but it might work for us type of thing. It's more of like, okay, this time. This time is is we, we've we got this now. Like, you you fooled me a bunch of times with, with these offensive line selections. Dylan Radens, Isaiah Wilson, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, like, hasn't worked. Now it's... Now we've got it under control. Peter Skaronsky, whether he plays guard or tackle, I think it's going to be really good. 
They swung at Jalen Duncan in round six, which is really crazy because there was a lot of talk about him being like, oh, could he push into the first? I, And again, it was during the lying season part of things, but like Bergeron went pretty high. He went top 45. We thought Duncan might have been the next guy after that. Wasn't. Had a pretty good senior bowl, really good athlete. Like this is the guy I'd be swinging on much more than like Nicholas Petit Ferrer in round three. So Duncan and, and Skaronsky might be able to turn the offensive line around. All right, really quick, let's work to some some of my favorite day two value selections. We've mentioned a lot of them, right? Branch to Detroit, Garrett Williams to Arizona. Both Tillman going to the Browns in the 70s and Hyatt going to the Giants in the 70s was really good. Darnell Washington to Pittsburgh. Downs to uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And then I think one of the best value picks, in my opinion, was Tucker Craft to Green Bay at 78. I was unbelievably thrilled when that was the selection. The double down tight end was sick. Kraft is a, a former running back turned tight end, really elusive. Tenacity is a blocker. You, you've, you, if you've listened to some of the interviews and stuff and just, you know, the, 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 the attitude he's bringing, I'm super excited for that. I thought it was a great day two value selection. Go through some day three value selections really quick. Uh, uh, both Vegas uh, defensive back picks, Bennett and Chris Smith, who I talked about earlier, I liked that a ton. They kind of redeemed themselves. They didn't have a good secondary. They kind of added two names to the mix. That was huge. Talked about Puka Nakua to, to the Rams, Eric Gray to the Giants. We talked about Ojimo to Philly. We talked about Trice to Pittsburgh. We talked about uh, Tyler Scott and Roshan Johnson to Chicago. Those were on the list, but two names that we didn't bring up yet, Isaiah McGuire to Cleveland, right? So they've got two of them on my value selections list. Isaiah McGuire, good speed to power, gave Broderick Jones fits. He went on day three, and then the Browns also got Cedric Tillman. So Browns, maybe sneaky good draft potentially in the works for them. The last guy was Servassier Dennis uh, to Tampa Bay. Yeah, this might be a, a good replacement and, and some actually stability at linebacker. A little undersized, but I think he plays a position really, really well. I was I was impressed uh, with his film. Uh, even He stood out even when Kalijah Kansi was ripping dudes to shreds up front. Servastia was doing a good job overall. So I liked that selection quite a bit for Tampa Bay. Really quick, uh, the best wide receiver fit for me, it's still JSN to Seattle, but I do think that Addison is going to open up so much for the Vikings offense as the number two. He's he's a, just a dynamic and reliable separator, and that's what the Vikings needed opposite Justin Jefferson Thielen just wasn't cutting it personally I know Addison's not super big but he's not a one so he doesn't have to be this is exactly the type of situation that Addison needed to go into to succeed he's going to get open he's going to get open so is Jefferson they're separation kings in Minnesota it's a great fit there if you look outside of day one I think the two of my favorites fits are obviously Jaden Reed to Green Bay, legitimately. Uh, the more I thought about it, Hyatt to the Giants, and then the last one was Puka Nakua to uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So I like that. The tight end class shook out a lot how we thought. Other than the late smoke that Schrager was talking about and then DJ putting his mock of a few guys going in the first round, that did not happen, obviously. Laporta over Mayer was probably the biggest shock after the Darnell Washington fall. I still don't get how Tucker Craft made it to 78. It, it made sense. Musgrave was big and fast. He went top 50. It made sense. Schoonmaker and Strange, remember, going in front of 
Kraft and Washington. Will be interesting to see how those work out. Okay. We're almost to the finish line here, but I, I want to keep this going. Packers thoughts on the draft. I like it. I I liked I think when you talked when we talked about it last year, Mason and I, I think we were like giddy about day three. That has turned out really well so far with with Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, and Kingsley and Igbare. That's been impressive. The Watson pick was good. They moved up. It's looking good right now. Uh, Sean Ryan, third-round pick. We should have known. Uh, third-round pick curse. Um, but, again, the first round, we'll see. Why it's going to up the snaps this year, we know that. Walker was up and down. That's the linebacker position, though, for you. It's a tough position to play. There's no doubt about it, especially for a guy who, again, wasn't really the run-the-show guy at Georgia. It was N'Kobe Dean. He was running the show. Like, N'Kobe Dean was small, but he knew where everything knew where, knew where everybody needed to be. Walker wasn't really that. He was able to run and chase, be violent at the point of attack. Like, that was his game. He needs to work on on some things. So, when you look at Green Bay, I think this time around, I think day one and day two were, they were good. I've really come around to the Van Ness pick. Again, I didn't have soup, a ton of film on Van Ness, if I'm being honest. I uh, had Ohio State and Michigan. You watch him dominate Purdue. You watch him dominate Northwestern, even. I thought he did really well against Northwestern. Dominate from the interior against Wisconsin. He crushed the Wisconsin game. Uh, and he did he did pretty well against Iowa State as well. Like it's it's all over there, folks. It's there. I think it's there. Uh he he's got he's got the goods. He was my edge five. I think he's probably going to be better than Tyree Wilson. I do. Uh, and, and he's going to get some interior snaps along with some edge snaps. He should be a long-term edge rusher, though. That that There's no doubt in my mind. I just don't think he's big enough. We'll see how he how he does with those interior snaps. It should be when they're behind the sticks. But it, the pass catchers, man. Like pass catcher, pass catcher, pass catcher day two was sick to watch. Musgrave's big and fast. Might take him a little more time. But once he gets going, it might be a problem. It might unlock a lot more in a vertical passing offense where again he might not be caught in open space just the speed is tough to handle and when you get a guy like Kraft who is plays with you know some menace in line elusive after the catch good hands like the duo is good the duo might both be able to play in line Musgrave has pretty good body positioning working low to high when he blocks like there is so much to work with there and then Jaden Reed folks I know Mason and I talked about Sky Moore potentially being Randall Cobb. Man, this guy, Jaden Reed, great success rate against press, great success rate against man coverage. I know, so I think there's there's one person I saw who has often really hated on Green Bay's picks no matter what, is really a Rodgers stan. Um, not, on, not on this network, not on this network, by the way. It's, it's somebody else was just like, oh, wow, why is Jaden Reed, like, you know, not separating against, you know, Big Ten corners? And it's like, no, no, he is. He's separating. The highlights of him winning above the rim are showed because he's 187 pounds and he shouldn't be doing this. Okay, the quarterback play was doo-doo at Michigan State. Okay, his ability to win fades and win through contact is really impressive. But what's even more impressive about Jaden Reed is he can separate on fade routes near the goal line. Because he's an instant accelerator, quick twitch. He's got some flashes route runner where you see him running the stair step on the crosser routes to get defenders to kind of open up a little bit, open up some space for him. But his ability to play through contact, adjust to the football, and be a dynamic player post-catch a little bit, uh, make that first man miss, 
folks, we might be uh, we might be looking at wide receiver two. We might be looking at wide receiver two. Just saying. Uh, I, as you know, my thoughts on Kraft. I mentioned him already. He's he's phenomenal. I love Tucker Kraft. He's my favorite pick uh, in the draft. I think the best pick, truthfully, truthfully, I do think the best pick is going to come down to Reed or Van Ness. Believe it or not, and that's that's coming from somebody who has been the biggest Tucker Kraft stand for I probably probably 12 13 months folks 12 or 13 months since last may i've been on the craft train he was tight end three for me it's spicy i know i've just loved him but i think reed or van ness might be the best selection day three kicker and quarterback aside wooden and brooks are going to rush the passer uh brooks man like dude has inside swipe mastered and like just plays powerful and he's nimble, but he's going to play on the inside. I don't think we're going to get some five-tech over-the-tackle or outside-the-tackle looks from from Brooks. I like Wicks. Wicks' 57-catch, 1,200-plus yard season in 2021 was big time. I think he can replicate it because I think he's a good enough separator. Uh, he uses some pacing to win down the field. I'm excited for him for sure in camp. I think he can make a run at some guys. Will be interesting. Grant Dubose. A lot of people's favorite sleeper. They landed him. That was cool. But the best value pick, folks, might actually be Anthony Johnson Jr., who can kind of just do it all. Former corner, played a lot of slot, played some safety, right? He's in a weird looks, but he plays physical, great tackler. Like, this might be the best value. If you look at superlatives, yeah. Might be talking about this guy for a while. Might be the solution at safety that the Packers have been waiting for. So that's that's a lot of thoughts on the Packers class. I think it was really good. I was, I think, initially hesitant. Again, I was very emotional. I was emotional, folks. I, I'll be honest. As I'm sitting here, you know, thinking about how I want to drink some of this Georgia peach tea that I'm drinking right now. But, like, I was just a little upset. I wanted it to be JSN really bad. I knew the fit was strong. But, like, I understand, like, if they weren't going to go JSN, they were going to find value. I wanted them to double down a tight end, and they did it. That was, the, I think, the biggest thing for me. But I want to say one thing about why the one reason I didn't like it. I, I didn't like the idea of not taking a guard just because Runyon's deal is up after this year. So, again, they, they must like the depth they have, but I think Newman's out of it, folks. I don't get it uh, one bit. We'll see what they think about with their tackles. I know Jones, Walker, and Tenuta, they really like them. I wouldn't be over the moon. I think tackle is going to be in the priority in 2024, even with Tom potentially as a long-term answer to the position. Center, we'll see. That's going to be a question mark for me. And I think the the really overwhelming question mark at the end is, I don't think, I'm, I'm wondering the run defense. Did it get better? We added three guys who can generate pressure from the interior. Van Ness can kick in there. Brooks can kick in there. And Wooden can kick in there. That's cool. Like, they built a really cool thing when the when teams get behind the sticks. The problem was is Green Bay was already really good when teams were third and seven, third and eight. Like when they got to that position, Green Bay teed off. The corners were good. The pass rush was good. The problem is, is they didn't get into enough of those situations because teams were running for three, four yards, then three, four yards, and they were giving themselves third and three, third and two, third and four, really manageable stuff. And that's where the Packers got into trouble. TJ Slayton has to be that guy now. They didn't draft another like nose tackle. Broderick Martin went earlier than I thought, so that's that's a tough one to swallow for sure. Q 
Gerard Clark, Keandre Coburn, all players that were in that range. If I'm looking, and I want to make sure I get this correct, because I think the Chiefs took Keandre Coburn, if I'm not mistaken. I just want to make sure where they took him. Yeah, they took Keandre Coburn at 194, folks. I, uh, yeah. Would have been nice to see a, instead of the quarterback. But, again, it'll be interesting. Nose tackle, Mozzie Smith would have been an exceptional pick. Don't know how they would have maneuvered that to make it happen. Uh, it would have come at the cost of Van Ness or, you know, honestly, and probably either the duo at tight end or Reed Encraft. So it was tough. But nose tackle's a problem. The run defense I'm concerned about. So that's, I think, the last bit I wanted to say in the Packers draft thoughts. Uh, let's quickly, I know if, if you want to turn it off now, you can. I'm going to peek ahead to 2024 really quickly. Just looking at uh, a mock draft simulator. I'm not going to do a mock draft. I just want to see, like, th- it's really nice because it gives you the odds and, and puts the odds in order a little bit just to see, like, again, we know quarterbacks are going to be the talk because it's Caleb Williams from USC and it's Drake May from North Carolina. Those are the two guys uh, that are going to dominate the headlines over the summer into the fall. That's just that's how it's going to be. Those two are going to dominate the headlines. It'll be interesting to see who maybe rises up, and I think we're going to talk about that over the summer. There are some guys... Riley Leonard from Duke, Michael Pratt from Tulane, who might take that big leap. Will Joe Milton do that with the athletic tools and the rocket arm that that maybe rivals Richardson a little bit? And will will Bo Nix be the guy at the Senior Bowl? It'll be interesting. There's a lot to go on there. Receivers a lot better. Uh, this this go around, Marvin Harrison and Mika Buka, I think both would be, for me right now, higher graded than JSN. Xavier Worthy is the 160-some pound potentially guy at receiver who separates really well. He's in that kind of dangerous range, right, with size. Malik Neighbors uh, from LSU, a lot of people are touting that breakout. But then the Washington receivers, Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, are going to be in the headlines as well. Troy Franklin from Oregon. So, again, you hear a lot of top players out west. You're going to have to stay up late if you want to catch some of these guys. Uh, running back's going to be okay. I think it'll be interesting. There's there's guys who I think are going to pop up. Uh, if I'm trying to remember them, I'm going to start draft here on this mock so I can pick up the running back names because I wanted to. Obviously, Blake Corum, Travian Henderson, and Braylon Allen, three dudes from the Big Ten, going to get a lot of the headlines. Raheem Sanders from Arkansas might be the best. And then two guys, I think, to watch, Bucky Irving from Oregon and Trey Benson from Florida State, two guys who are very much in that conversation. It's going to be Brock Bowers talk a lot at tight end, and rightfully so. Dude's going to run really fast. Dude plays well at the catch point. Dude blocks pretty well. He's a big receiver, but plays tough everywhere, is fast, makes acrobatic catches. He's he's the complete package. How high will he go is the question. Uh, want to sneak in one of my favorites to make a little rise, Oronde Gadsden from Syracuse. He's like a 6'5 receiver, may play some, some Darren Waller vibes-esque at tight end. So there's that. A couple other things. I think tackles extremely good, right? You're getting Olu Fashano from Penn State finally. It didn't come out last year. Could have Joe Alt and Blake Fisher from Notre Dame both on that list. Connor Colby has been flexible for Iowa. Uh, Graham Barton from Duke. Amarius Mims, yes, Georgia again. Uh, and then J.C. Latham as well. One of my favorites already, who I, I graded and was ready to talk about him a ton, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia Center, extremely extremely 
intelligent player at center. Love his game a ton. Zach Zinter at Michigan guard. Really like him. Defensive line's loaded. Safety's got some good names. They might be able to save the class a little bit. That's exciting. And then, of course, everyone's favorite, Kool-Aid McKinstry, corner from uh, Alabama. But Kalen King from Penn State's right there as well. Uh, Javon Bullard from Georgia plays kind of star corner and safety. He's going to be all over the place, I'm telling you. But just in that realm, like Green Bay, where I would start looking, you know, if you're into that stuff and like, oh, I like the draft year round and I'm curious about Green Bay even long term, right? If you believe in love, then like, you know, tackle is going to be the place to look. I think defensive tackle should be a place to look as well. It just in terms of like a guy who can play one and a half or two gaps, I would look at safety for sure and i would look at centers immediately those are the places i would look so with that a uh, little preview into 2024 i'm gonna take it easy uh, i'm gonna call it enjoy your friday hope you enjoyed this um pretty lengthy bow on the 2023 nfl draft got some fun things i think planned for the summer i think it's gonna be a little bit better obviously we did the whole like what if in terms of like mock drafts played out the last six years we're not gonna do that again but I've got I've got some ideas. I think we could pass the time, and it maybe ventures into a little bit more of the NFL sphere in just terms of the draft, but and a little bit more look back. But I think we're, it's going to be fun. So stick around for that. Uh, we will catch you guys. I, I assume probably going back to one a week on Fridays, um, but it'll be fun. We'll have a good time with that. Summer scouting will obviously kick in as well down the line. But yeah, again, once again, enjoy your Friday. Uh, we'll catch you guys hopefully in a week. <laughs>